For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of worth. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating tonight? Well, for me, all this month, I am celebrating the 100th birthday of Judy Garland. For those of you who have been following the show, thank you and welcome back tonight. And we're going to continue this tradition all this. And this week is her birthday week, uh, culminating this Friday with her actual birthday. And I got a real big get today, but I'm not going to announce who it is. Uh, it's going to be next week, but I have two incredible artists tonight. Jeff Harner, who was here just a few weeks ago with his new Stephen Sondheim CD, get it, get it, get it. Uh, but tonight we're going to be talking about an incredible show that he did uh, just a few years ago uh, with the incredible Shauna Hicks, someone that I've been wanting to get on this show for some time. Tonight, we are going to be celebrating the legacy of Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney and their incredible uh, Mickey and Judy show. Uh, last Friday night, uh, TCM, Judy Garland is the star of the month for them as well. And last Friday night, they were showing just a few of their films. They did 10 films together. Louis B. Mayer, uh, the head of MGM, uh, those of you who are film aficionados uh, must know that Louis B. Mayer, and we're going to talk about this later in the, uh, in the show, he was uh, very keen on family pictures, uh, something I wish that we would get back to. But he felt that the entire family, especially during the Depression, they would all go to the movies together. And during World War II and everything, the family would get together. And Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland, from the time that they were a build above the title in Babes in Arms, those films kept bringing them back over and over and over again. Well, we're going to be talking about those films tonight. But before we begin, as I do with each of the shows this month, we begin by celebrating the one and only Judy Garland. And on the other side, you will meet Jeff Harner and Shauna Hicks. Here she is, Judy Garland. It haunted me from the start Something inside of me started a symphony Sing with the strings of my heart Was like a breath of spring I heard a robin sing About a nest set apart Harmony, sing with the strings of my heart. Your eyes made sky seem blue again. What else could I do again but keep repeating? Through and through, I love you, love. I still recall the thrill. I guess I always will. I hope we'll never depart. 
Seem blue again. What else could I do again? But keep repeating through and through. I love you, love you. I still recall a thrill. I guess I always will. I hope we'll never depart. Dear, with your lips to mine, oh, rhapsody divine. Anything more? I got daisies in green pastures. I got my gal who could ask for anything more. Old man trouble. I don't mind him. You won't find him hanging round my front or back door. I got starlight. I got sweet dreams. I got my gal who could ask for anything more. Who could ask for anything more?
Richard. I yes, am Richard. So, I am so thrilled that you're here. First of all, I want to say happy drive-in movie night. Tonight is the anniversary uh, of the first drive-in movie theater. And I want to ask both of you, did you go to the drive-in movies as kids? Yes, <laughs> I did. I loved it. Do you remember the first time that you went to a drive-in movie? And do you remember what the film was? It was a Disney film, and I don't remember. I, I really don't. I do remember that the sound was really bad. <laughs> that, you know, the thing was hanging in the window. <laughs> I think this is one time we went. You could do it on your car radio. I think it had yes. maybe gotten that sophisticated, but um, it was a lot of distractions. You know, I was a little kid. I was in the back seat. <laughs> well, last. Uh, I, well, first of all, the first film that I remember, my mom and dad and myself, and it's one of my favorite memories. We went uh, on Highway 501 in Conway, South Carolina, and the film was Fireball 500 with Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello. My life was never the same because from that moment on, I wanted to be Annette Funicello. <laughs> and my mom's watching and she knows it's true. Uh, so, um, but I'm so and, glad you didn't become yeah. her. 
<laughs> but last summer, Danny and I were on vacation in Provincetown and in Wellfleet, they still have a drive-in movie theater that's in operation. And we went, we went to see Space Jam, which was not our type of film, but it was the only thing that was playing that night. And I wanted to go back just to have that experience of going to the drive-in movies. And it was not the same. <laughs> it was just not the same. Uh, you know what I remember was, loving I remember. is when I was a kid, we used to drive every summer from New York to California or Chicago to California to see family. And on the road trip, when we would drive by, drive-in movie theaters, the excitement of like seeing the screen and trying to figure out what movie they were watching and, you know, just was... <laughs> But it was great. I mean, it was great driving past the. You, you, Jeff, yes. you just brought up a memory of driving by and seeing those great things. But, you know, not only just going to those films, I mentioned in my introduction that Louis B. Mayer really tapped into that idea of family films. That, you know, all of these films with, uh, of course, he had uh, pay dirt with Judy and Mickey because those films, and of course we know that they were worked to death, uh, especially with Busby Berkeley, who we've come to know later on. Uh, I mean, even the other night I was watching Babes in Arms again, and uh, just that number alone with all the kids and the dogs and everything else just jumping in for that bonfire moment <laughs> of uh, the entire neighborhood jumping on. Um, and I, I want to ask with each of you, and I'm sure that for myself, it began with The Wizard of Oz. Is that where it began for each of you as well? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And I think it was in black and white and it still didn't, you know, obviously it was in the 60s. We didn't have the color television, but blankets on the floor, popcorn balls and, um, full, you know, full disclosure, I was bored to tears during Over the Rainbow. I mean, you're just like, let's get to Munchkinland, you know, like that song was a dirge back in the day. You know, we wanted to, <laughs> we wanted to, you know, get to the get to the good stuff, you know. Ballads were tough to uh, endure at that age, but I do well, remember that was that was the point where I said, "Pass the popcorn ball." She's singing this song again, you know. Well, truth uh, be told, there were executives at MGM that felt the same way at one time, and that was cut uh, in the first uh, I, the first or second preview. They cut the song, and thank God it got put back in. And that's the "I want" song. You need that song. What yeah. does she want? She wants. I mean, to cut that would be ludicrous. We wouldn't know who she is and what she's about. That's that's her heart. So you know, uh, just to, 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 to jump in, uh, uh, leaping forward in Shauna's life, uh, spoiler, she gave birth to her son, Sean, <laughs> on Judy Garland's birthday. Wow. So, and there, and I am his godfather. And so I'm babysitting Sean and his, what he really wants to see is five, six, five or six years old. He really wants to see the movie Oliver. And when we get to as long as he needs me, he's like... <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward through this. This is a dirge. He's snapping along to go with it. <laughs> no, no, snapping along like get through it. Get I know. Through. Yes, get me, get me through this. Well, you know, I asked, I asked for photographs of you as a five-year-old. I think around that era, because, and I'll start with. Oh well, Shauna, here you are. I love yeah. this. Thing. I was in my Twiggy. I was in love with Twiggy. That was my Twiggy phase. Yeah. I love this. I yeah. mean, I, um. You know, little, what can you tell us about this little girl and, you know, and as far as 
in your household with movies and music. Uh, what were you listening to or watching at this time? Well, I think my parents both expressed their emotions through musicals. They were they were typical, you know, people of their generation. I think a lot of parents of that time, you got to see the squishy parts of your mom and dad via their love of musicals. Um, my father would come down every morning with a cup of coffee, breaking on the high note in Impossible Dream. He loved that song and it charged him up before he went into the sales job that he was doing, you know, very, you know, um, pure Pont, what's his name? Uh, Ponty. You know? Yeah, how to succeed in business. And I just remembered that that's where my parents were sentimental. That's where I could see their vulnerability. So I think that's why I fell in love with with musical theater and wanted to do it. You know, I'm no different than, look at me, mom and dad, I'm in musical mm -hmm. theater. Love me too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but um, I do remember, you know, I do remember vividly, you know, Brigadoon and, and, and I remembered playing Dulcinea on the little electric organ I had upstairs. And uh, I just, it just, it just was a magical time. It just, it just was, and with through the portal of of the musical, and I and I wouldn't trade that childhood for anything for that no, reason. I, now, I, I am totally with you. Yeah, so I mean the fact that I, I I don't know ages here. I think I'm the oldest one here, but uh, I, we I think we all grew up in the '60s, didn't we? Yeah. Um. So we grew up That's at that time where the Wizard of Oz was a yearly event. Uh, mm -hmm. You had to wait for it to come on. No right. VHS or anything. But, uh, you know, and then I'm going to bring up your photograph, Jeff. Uh, and uh, you, <laughs> I love this. And I have. What uh, happened? Just to show you, look at this. Oh, <laughs> there we all are. So, uh, you know, so t same question, Jeff. Uh, the music that your family was listening to and what uh, movies you were watching at that time. You know, my parents listened to the Great American Songbook. You know, the Ella Fitzgerald, the Nat King Cole. We had that Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra playing. Was their music? The first time I heard a cast album was actually one of their neighbors who played it for me, and that's when my brain exploded was to, to listen to Broadway cast albums. But my dad, you know, just piggybacking on the idea of drive-in movies, my dad, in 1965, we moved to the suburbs of New York City in, in, in uh, Connecticut. And my dad worked for Ford Motor Company. And one of his jobs was to pick up the 16 millimeter reels of movies that Henry Ford II would take out of a, a, a movie library that he watched at home. And my dad would bring them home for a night and we'd put up a sheet on the living room window and you know watch these movies. Wow. And so that's where I saw Gigi for the first time and the unsinkable Molly Brown, as well as a lot of James Bond and, and other other movies. Um, and we'd pop popcorn and have them in our Tupperware dish. But that, you know, th that, movie night and like you were saying you know before there was vhs <laughs> and it was a big deal i mean we'd stop at each reel and rewind it and uh, i didn't realize he was doing something kind of illicit <laughs> but i love that well thank god that you didn't know that but i want to take you both back to a, a specific year that was a major turning point in my life and maybe it was for each of you and that was 1974. do you remember what happened yeah. in 1974? Is it That's Entertainment? That's Entertainment came out. 
And do you remember, did you go to see That's Entertainment? Oh my God. Talk about your brain exploding. It's like, what? <laughs> what? Yes. What were all those movies? Who were all those brilliant people? I, I've never seen anything like that. And it, it's interesting. Think about this for just a moment, everybody out there, um, and think about where we are right now in the world. Um, when That's Entertainment came out, it was only 20 years since Gigi, mm -hmm. which blows my mind. Think about this kind of compilation movie of what we were watching 20 years ago. It just, it, it just it, doesn't... It would be very short. But what was really incredible at that moment... It would be that's entertainment, question mark? Yes. <laughs> but what was so exciting about this is that it was also at that time that um, MGM sadly sold off, they were auctioned off their uh, property. Everything was being uh, divested. And uh, there was this nostalgia craze that was sweeping the country. And a lot of those MGM stars, thank God, were still with us. And so they were appearing on TV shows, biographies, autobiographies. Everything was coming out. Uh, we unfortunately lost Judy a few years prior to this happening. So she wasn't able to see this resurgence begin to happen in her career. But a lot of biographies, Rainbow, uh, came out around that time. All of these books were starting to come out. And I remember when she passed away, I was eight years old, but I it, it affected me. I was so upset by her passing. And I even talk about that in my show. Um, but it was just this turning point. Um, when did you both begin to realize um, growing up of this person beyond Dorothy Gale, the Wizard of Oz? Do you want to go first, Shauna? <laughs> no, because uh, it's going to sound very self-serving. You know, I was just a type. So, you know, I moved to New York City and I wasn't a soprano, but I could... I could sing the alto classics, those mm -hmm. MGM gals, Debbie, you know, Reynolds and, and Doris Day and Judy Garland. It was just easier, you know. Um, so, you know, I wanted to be a first rate version of myself and not try to sing soprano. And I, you know, you've got to, you know, which side your your bread is buttered on. And, and mm -hmm. I knew if I wanted to work that, that it would make sense to go with my strengths, which was I could I could sing Garland pretty. It was pretty easy for me. So she was you know, quite no, nowhere near my consciousness at that point. I was very into pop music, Carly Simon, Carol King, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, heart rock and roll. I mean, I went to the dark side, Richard, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was in the pop, pop music land, you know, but also at that point, you know, you want to fit in with your peers and, and nobody, you know, was listening to musicals in my circle. Mm -hmm. You know, at that point I was in Wisconsin, which is a whole other, dark time but musicals were not as prevalent and not we would fly to the city to see barnum and dream girls those mm -hmm. were the musicals we saw so we still did musicals but those were the musicals that i recall of the 70s but no um but but i just remembered i took a voiceover class and they said you are a judy garland type and that was not even singing that was just speaking so um i wish i could say oh she was my biggest hero and i loved her all along and i do believe me retroactively very much so but i it just wasn't wasn't that prevalent 
Um, it wasn't on your radar at that not time? Not on my radar as much, no. Okay. And what about you, Jeff? Well, I had this wonderful aunt when we were living in um, in the New York City suburbs in, in Greenwich, Connecticut. I had a wonderful aunt who worked in Manhattan. Her name was Aunt Fran. Uh, she was my great aunt, actually. And she, she used to give me albums um, as gifts because she knew how much I loved music. And she gave me the 1967 Judy Garland at the Palace opening night live mm-hmm. album. And I was baffled looking at those pictures that that was Dorothy. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand the transformation between Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz and Judy Garland concert. Judy, it kind of scared me a little bit. I just, um, I, 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 there was something about the energy of it and um, uh, that, that scared me. And, and then I will absolutely remember the, I was nine uh, when I came down to breakfast and the newspaper was there that she had died. Um, uh, you know, that was uh, just a seismic, uh, how, how could that happen? How, how could that happen? Um, yes, and then it was during college, really, that I fell in love with the Carnegie Hall, uh, you know, the 1962 yeah. Carnegie Hall album, and that was just, that was heaven. That was Broadway meets concert. That was, you know, everything I love about a Broadway cast album with one person conjuring all the magic themselves. Um, you know, that, that was a revelation to me along, and that happened almost simultaneously with um, discovering Liza with a Z. Oh, um, yeah. Concert Judy and Concert Liza was, you know, a huge, huge turning point for me to realize that an individual singer could captivate an audience with the same impact as an entire Broadway musical mm-hmm. uh, could. So Jeff, you were living in the Tri-State area when Judy passed away and, you know, and her funeral at uh, uh, Frankie Campbell's uh, funeral home and everything. Do you remember any of the impact of that happening in New York? No, actually, we had just moved. (laughs) We had just moved to Chicago. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, So I was in Chicago when I came down and saw that newspaper. Oh, okay. And Richard, if I may, I do remember when she passed too. And it was very confusing because I saw it on the news and my mother would be cooking dinner to the news. And I remembered the picture looked nothing yes. like, right. and it was the same disconnect. And and I realize now that I, you know, I was probably in mourning. It's not like, oh, I want to be curious about this woman I love so much who died. But what scared me was I remembered, they said, um, I, I, I don't know why I remember this, because why would they have an op- autopsy so quickly? But they said, uh, suspected of, of a drug overdose. And it was the 60s and I associated drug drugs with hippies. I mean, so so suddenly to have Dorothy, that little gingham gal, and imagine her, you know, as a as a hippie, um, you know, a Charles Manson type hippie. It just it just was mind blowing. So I I think some part of me just shut down to her at that point, and you know wasn't really curious about her because you because it is someone beloved that you would see once a year, and it was a very happy ending again and again. Although. I still am confused what's going on with the dog and Miss Gulch. You know, that's like, <laughs> I would have loved if they said, oh, we'll be going to Memorial for Miss Gulch. She got whisked away. <laughs> that problem, which is why I have generalized anxiety, because that never got solved. Um, well, I do want to talk about a very happy ending, and it's this happy ending here. And I want to talk about this show. And first of all, before we go any further, uh, I do want to do a shout out uh, to Barry Kleinbord uh, and uh, James Folliwell, uh and who could not be here tonight uh, and their work. 
whose brainchild was this, first of all? Shauna. I had rent to pay, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> so who said, let's put on a show? Shauna. I did. Shauna, she did. She had I, already I, done. I, um, I she done Shauna Hicks and her 60s chicks, where I talk about Judy Garland's passing. And oh. I don't sing. Yeah. I remember and she and well. she had been on Broadway uh, yeah. in Meet Me in St. Louis. She yeah. was the understudy to to the Judy Garland, you know, for and, the Esther. And the fact is, the I was vetoed for the to take that role because they didn't want a Judy Garland type. The <laughs> the songwriters are like, we don't need Garland. We don't. Need, we just want a beautiful. And they got a beautiful voice, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. they, there was a lot of. Uh, but um, and, but and I was, like, uh, was that Chris Moore? No, it was Donna Kane. No, Donna Kane. And, and it's worth it's worth noting that Shauna's agent would not submit her. And so Shauna went and stood in the line that wrapped around the block for the publicity stunt audition. And it just happened when Shauna went in for her audition after that day-long wait that the camera crews were coming in. Anyway, the fact that she got picked out of I sang 16 you know, bars of the trolley song and was chased out. But I I, I think they were kind of waiting for like I think they were kind of waiting the cameras. So I don't think it was just a coincidence. I think they were kind of like, let's see what we can find here. But I did. And I said, my agent was like, oh, I didn't think you were a singer. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, back up for a moment. That your agent says to you, I didn't think you were a singer. Yeah, because when I stopped, I mean, I was doing a lot of, I was doing a lot of plays. I was doing a lot okay. of regional theater. I was, I was an actress because when I realized I couldn't sing, when they would, I, I had this, I was this petite gal with these big blue eyes and they kept trying to shove me in sabrette, you know, put me in sabrette. And they would say, can, can we hear your head voice? And I would sing, I think I'm going out of my head like a shower song, but it was, it was humiliating. And finally I said, I'm just going to act for a while. So I was acting for a while, but it's not like I wasn't up for the alto roles. And I asked him to please submit me. I said, this is Garland. I would like to be seen. And he said, I, I, I think I can get you in, but my guess is they only had so many people they could put in per agency. But I was like, you know, and then Jeff and I were working with Kelly Briggs and Kelly Briggs, oh, yeah. Kelly Briggs called dark called. And he said, uh, there's, you know, they're holding an open call, non-union. I was union, but I'd missed the union call. And he said, you've got to go, um, woke me up. And he said, go, go. And I was like, Dar, it's, I said, I don't dance. They need someone who dances. I mean, that was kind of like, I was like, they, they need someone who's an excellent dancer. And that is so not me. I mean, yeah. So, um, but, but he, he actually said, I will, I insist you go. And I, and I did. So thank you, Kelly Briggs. Wow. Absolutely. That, well, Shauna's got a great story about being in the dream ballet. <laughs> Speaking of dancing. Yeah, I was, I had to, I had my wigs. They had all the, I had all the stuff. I was the stunt double, if you will, for, for, for Esther and the dream ballet. Um, they kept saying, cover her. They kept saying, cover her face. It's too visible that it's not, you know, that it's not, you know, Donna. So they wanted to cover my face. So uh, the first preview, I was up under bright lights and they had put so much gauze on the veils of the wedding that I was teetering like a drunken, like just teetering up on top of the guys were holding me up. And they said, what's wrong? And I said, I can't see. And um, I remember thinking, well, at least I'm well lit. You know, so, um, it, but, it's uh, so classic, Judy. I mean, from Star is Born. We saw our yeah. face. We saw we our saw face. face. Right. <laughs> yeah. But um, but Jeff and I met the singing waiters in the 80s, you know, and the dark 
80s and we bonded at Mrs. J's Sacred Cow. And I just, we loved singing duets. And I was like, goodness, we're, we are, we are Mickey and Judy, you know? So, um, you know, and I asked him, you know, what he was up to. And we realized, and we had a, we started with just, you know, very pure, just the young. And then we, we got a little older. We went, let's add concert Judy. <laughs> you know, we expanded <laughs> it to a second act. Um, and, uh, and happily they did some great stuff on the, on, uh, on her show together. They did, you know, oh, yes. great. Yeah, we, yes. we got all sorts of great material. So, and that was Jeff's to Jeff's credit. Cause he was able to keep that, that Forrest Gump feather in the air, you know, really well, as far as keep the content. So he was, he's just brilliant at that. So, and, yeah. uh, how did you start putting your team together? Uh, musical director James Followell, how did he come into the mix? Gosh, it was a lot of flow. Jeff knew them both, and it was like, let's go. That's, let's I go. I think that's the, that's the correct answer. That, you know, at that time, um, I had just worked with Barry Kleinbord on my Sammy Khan show, Sammy Khan All the Way. And w what I love about Barry is his sense of dramaturgy. He really has a great, I mean, every director that I work with does, but, but I really was. Um, keen on him for that particular project and uh and it was a really good fit and james we both had worked with and loved and you know he just loves judy as well so it was a very synchronistic serendipitous collaboration well, speaking of synchronicity both of you had speaking of let's put on a show you had the opportunity to perform the show in liza minnelli's apartment <laughs> again that was jeff jeff found that Jeff made that happen. Yeah. Well, you, you've got to tell us how it all came about. Well, it's she had had me come over to perform uh, my Vincent Minnelli show. I did a show at the Algonquin called Dancing in the Dark, Vincent Minnelli's Hollywood, yeah. and she had not been able to see it. And she called one day and asked if I would come do it. And <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> so you know, so that happened. And then she had gone through. Um, you know, she had, she'd already. Uh, done uh, stepping out at Radio City, and she really was at such a wonderful place in her career. And then she had a hip replacement, and she may have even had two in a row. But she was recouping and not well and not going out. And I reached out to her and just offered up the show as maybe we could come and cheer you up if Sean and I came and did this show for you. And she was like, Oh, that's great. Michael Feinstein's going to be over. Is that okay? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yes, Liza. Oh, if he must. <laughs> if we have to, yes. So that's how that happened. We went over and he wheeled her out in her wheelchair and she had glitter all over her face. I'll never she forget did. that. She did have glitter. You're right. Because she, she had sent Liza someone over to Dwayne Reed. And she, every, she said everyone, everyone should have glitter. And, uh, you know, it was, it. it was, well, see, it was in, I, I in the middle of, um, I don't know what point it was in the run through, but she kind of was like, oh, my God. She realized how <laughs> bizarre it was for us to be singing Judy Garland songs to Liza Minnelli in her living room. And she she was very kind to us. And if I may, just the the um, you know, at that point, it was just a one act. We had just been doing it in that. We opened the show at the Firebird Cafe. Yes. Sweet memory. Um, there. And it was just a 70 minute show with the piano. And I'll never forget when we finished singing, I wish I were in love again, Liza went end of act one. And she was right. That's exactly what came to pass is I always remembered that. And when it came time to expand the show into two acts and make it into a symphony concert, symphony orchestra concert, 
uh, we we knew that I wish I were in love again because that was the last duet they sang together at MGM, and um, and and plus we had a great arrangement thanks to James. Um, but and the other thing I will always remember is she got out of her wheelchair when the show was over, walked over to the piano, and she said, first, I want to look at the harmony that you did, you know, an hour earlier." She was like, "Let's get the harmony that you did at the end of." Um, uh, uh, how about you? Um, somebody's not on melody that should be, and I was just like, that, that, I mean, it was just outrageous. She her was, her acumen. Well, <laughs> well, let's let's you. I asked for some of your favorite uh, moments. Let's uh, show this in honor and in celebration of Liza, uh, and and of Act One. So let's show this. Hey, there's Judy Garland. Hi, Judy. You know my mom, of course, and Dick and Dorothy Rogers. Hello, Judy. Hello. Wonderful party. I'm glad. But excuse me, I must keep the customers happy. You're coming, Larry? Coming, Mother. Oh, that's all I need. Fine. Take care of them right back. Always in action. Say, when are we going to do that show together, Judy? Oh, we've been talking about that show for so long, it's gotten to be a running gag. That's only because you're never in New York long enough to sing a chorus. I know. But look, we're all in Hollywood now. Is there any chance of our doing a picture together? Oh, Judy, I... Oh, I know you've so. got a story, because Larry told me so, and I bet you've got some spare songs, too. But look, sweetie, you see, we... What? Oh, Dorothy, I'm so sorry. Here you two have just started on your honeymoon, and I'm trying to Shanghai the groom. <laughs> I don't I knew what I was getting into when I married a composer. I might just as well be getting used to it. That's marvelous. <laughs> What's marvelous? We're going to do a picture together. No kidding. You heard the lady. <laughs> well, that's fine, but you've got to audition for us if you're going to work for us. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll give you my personal assistant. Of course. Mel, take I Wish I Were in Love Again, will you? <laughs> know that I felt good when we up and parted. You don't know I knocked on wood, gladly broken hearted. Worrying through, I sleep all night, appetite and health restored. You don't know how much we're bored. The sleepless nights, the daily fights, the quick toboggan when you reach the heights. I miss the kisses and I miss the bites. I wish I were in love again. The broken dates, the endless waits, the lovely loving and the hateful hates, the conversation with the flying plates. I wish I were in love again. No more pain. No more strain. Now I'm sane, but I would rather be gone, gone. The pulled out fur. Of Captain Kerr. The fine mismating of a him and her. We've, We've learned, learned our lesson, lesson that we wish we were in love again. The herd is high, the blackened eye. The words I'll love you till the day I die. The self deception that believes the lie. Love congeals, it soon reveals the fade aroma of performing seals, the double crossing of a pair of veals. 
wish I were in love again. No more care. No despair. I'm all there now. But I'd rather be punched from. Believe me, sir, I much prefer the classic battle of him and her. We don't like quiet and we wish we were in love. You, you can see the love between the two of them. Do Which one of you want to tell the story about how that song came to be? Jeff, you're the historian. How it came to be that they did that last duet? Yes. Well, it was their last partnership. Was it 1948? 40, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, she had filmed Johnny One Note. I mean, that was supposed to be her one moment in the film. And uh, she you know came more in. than I do here. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Well, she had come in to do. She came in to do the one number. Right. Uh, and if you watch the film, she's even heavier in that number than she is here. And after she had filmed it, they said, "We want another number." And so, like four, five weeks later, she came back and they did this number together. And uh, they added that scene just so that they would do that together. Oh, that's great history. They they, they wanted more. They you know, more. and they always did. There's a great new book coming out. As a matter of fact, anyone who's watching this Friday, um, I have two the two men on the show who have a new book coming out on Summer Stock, her last film. It's going to be a coffee table book, uh, mm -hmm. and they have interviewed so many of uh, people. Uh, we've now just lost Car Car uh, Carlton Carpenter, uh, but uh. It, you know, they are dismissing the myths that she was the reason that there were so many uh, delays on the film, uh, but it wasn't because of uh, her many times. Uh, there were many delays on films that were attributed to her in later years, but it wasn't always uh, her fault. And, but, I believe that. But as time has gone on, uh, she's uh, received... Uh, the brunt of the issues. It mm -hmm. could be sexism. It could be a lot of issues. Well, you know, Hugh Forden wrote that wonderful book, The Freed Unit, and he's, uh, he has those, you know, those memos that have her canceling and her, uh, you know, keeping them waiting and yeah. her not showing up. Um, so there is documentation. There is documentation of that, some that, of that but uh, it, all of it wasn't always her fault. Um, from both of you, um, your favorite moments of either solo or together that just really stand out for both of you, uh, and, and between the two of you on stage. Oh, we've had some wonderful silent conversations on stage while we're in the middle of numbers. And I mean, what, watching that just now, that clip. I just, didn't you just flash back, Jeff, when that, because we'd have that rum drum, the pulled out fur of Kat and Kerr. We'd be looking, and just, I mean. Shauna calls it dolphin communication when we yes. can just look at each other on stage and know <laughs> there's a whole other level of communicating. Whole, yeah, because we knew the show. Like Barry, Barry used to say to us, Barry Kleinbord, because, um, you know, when we put it together, we really didn't. We'd had a lot of legs for quite a while. I mean, where did we do it, Jeff? We did it on the high seas. We did it in the symphony market. We did it, at the, oh. you know, from the Firebird Cafe to the, you know, San Diego Orchestra. I mean, 
And so, but Barry said they've, they're seeing it for the first time, you know, and that's, and that's, we should know that, but it was easy to kind of, you know, cause we'd done it a lot. So you had to really concentrate to make it the first time. Mm-hmm. And that makes for some dolphin communication to keep it fresh. Right. When, you say that. <laughs> yes. oh, when we did it in park city, Utah, both of us oh, were Lord. suffering from altitudes. Oh, just, so by the end, just singing the songs, we were so giddy, um, yeah. but, but we did it. Yes, we did. <laughs> oh my God. I'll tell you one thing. One one favorite moment was um, Shauna had just given birth to her son on Judy Carlin's birthday. It was like six weeks six weeks after. And, the contract you know, for that was before I conceived. We had the contract for that concert prior to conception. So it was our first symphony date, and yes. in the, with the San no Diego Symphony. And yeah. you know, so Shauna lost her breast pump in the airport, in the airport bathroom, <laughs> saying that that's a part of how it began. But I mean, the courage to go out on stage right after giving birth. But tell them your joke, Jeff. Tell them how we managed that because I still kind of looked expecting and you you walked out and because the you know it was like you know it looked like a knocked up Judy and uh what what did you say you said something like oh we're celebrating you said she just had a baby a little boy you named him Liza Liza (laughs) she was born on Judy Garland's birthday and his (laughs) name is Liza (laughs) that's right um and that just settled everybody down and they because i had to say to to matthew Inge, you know i'm not i'm not tossing on a girdle but anyway that was a special that was special to to, to do that that gig that was so and talk about good god parenting here shauna was you know starting you know labor pains were about to start and i told her look june 9th it's cole porter's birthday june 10th is judy garland's birthday which is better for the show you decide yeah <laughs> she I held on midnight said cut him out of me so yeah <laughs> I got patter. I, got patter. So, I was like, that's Shauna, that gal. Anything for good patter, she'll do yeah. it. <laughs> but yeah, I would I would say the Manaus Opera House was pretty darn special when we did some numbers there. Um we traveled the world together, Richard. It was just we just it was just lovely. It's it it and and we would take him along when remember we did the uh the North Carolina Symphony and and uh it was it was really special. We've had a good he, history. He was bored, silly. Oh yeah. <laughs> First beats of the overture. He's down. When can we go back to the hotel? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but he loved room uh, service. Yeah. Would you consider doing it again? Oh sure, sure. sure. I mean, yeah. but we'd feel we. What would we feel, Jeff? We'd feel well. We we both. You know, the Act One is sort of the young Mickey and Judy. And Act Two begins with the reunion on the CBS special, and so that's the the only reason that it still, you know, really speaks to me is that we get a chance to grow up, and right. we don't just have to stay in that ingenue land. Um, and and you know, to Shauna and Barry and James, to the credit, um, for instance, Shauna's take on um, um, "I Cried for You." I mean, we we did personalize the songs in a way that t- you tell him how you reinterpreted that song. Well, and even though she, even though it's young Judy, Shauna was able to make uh, a lot. She was not to, you know, it's funny you mentioned it wasn't her fault that late for the sets and things, Richard. And I would add to you that, that, that she was, you know, there was a little child, there's some child abuse going on there. You know, she was, she was not treated well. She, she was given amphetamines to lose weight. So if she had problems later functioning, you know, Ultimately, I still don't think it was her fault she showed up late to set because she was a young child, you know, and uh, and, you know, given drugs that she should not have have had. And um, 
but I did watch the movies a lot and I, I thought she's just so disempowered. You know, it was all about the boy, the boy, the prince, the prince. And, um, and I, and, and Jeff and I addressed that, but I cried for you kind of had a little bit of a bite to it. Um, we were able to kind of lift that a bit and, and let that, that evolve a bit and kind of advocate for her within that number. Um, take it out of victim land and put take it, it out of victim the... land. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you know, it was the times it's the times we also, we didn't know what to do. Cause you know, my husband and I were watching last Friday, as you mentioned, we're like babes on Broadway. We're like, Oh my God, it's a minstrel number. Like, oh, well, oh you know, it is. I'm, well, everybody saying, uh, you know, is, I, I mean, the minstrel number in that, it, mm -hmm. it, and I, you know, but I will, it's I want to say, yeah. thank God for TCM. Yes. Who, and it's very important that we are able to see these numbers. Yes. That they don't cut them out and they, Put them contextualize it, you know, and they really address the fact that, you know, these uh, that racism was going on, and and if you watch these films, uh, you will hear the you'll hear other comments throughout the uh, the films, and I mean, the other night I was watching, uh, you know, Babes uh, in Arms, and there was yet another comment about her being an ugly duckling. Uh, those lines oh, were absolutely, absolutely, yes, uh, yes. That's mm -hmm. that's a whole segment in our show is addressing right. the the in between, the just an yeah, awful shouldn't in be heard, shouldn't be seen. I mean, that's going to affect your self esteem. You know, I mean, that's, you know plus that's she had real affection for Mickey Rooney. I mean that 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 wasn't just a plot point. She really True. never measured up to the 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 women that he was attracted to. Yeah, Lana, Lana, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, no, she, but it was very, I've got my, by the way, Alex Rybeck gave me this. This is Mickey's dinner theater. <laughs> I wanted to just, just to toast you, Jeff. It's been a long time with COVID. <laughs> we like to try to keep it together. It's like, oh, so someone in our family is going, you would. Yeah. So here we are. So we are going to give away a copy of your CD to someone here tonight. I'm going to bring this up and we're going to add this. I picked the word stewardship because. Love that. Judy was so devoted to her art and her craft, no matter what happened in her life and her career. And the one thing that I heard uh, from everybody who worked from her, with her, uh, that she gave to her audiences, she gave to her art, she gave to the people that she worked with. And so uh, I, I also wanna mention that I got a notification here. There was a glitch on Facebook so those who were watching on Facebook lost the live stream, but it continued on YouTube. So if you lost it, you'll be able to go back and see the show in its entirety later. That was a Facebook issue that they were dealing with. So it happens. Uh, but I want to ask each of you, uh, and I'll start with you, Shauna, uh, what stewardship means to you when it comes to your art and craft and and then, uh, Jeff, same question. You know, I I read a great book that said, you know, life is your career. You know, it's it's not about, you know, the older I get, the more I realize it's just about, um, is it kind, is it helpful, is it loving, making those choices. Um, and, and just putting out when you are 
doing things, just putting it out with that intention of, of compassion in, in this world that we live in now. I mean, I haven't, you know, I'm in, I play right now. Um, I wrote an, I'm writing more than I am performing at this juncture because um, it's nice to have a point of view after all these years mm-hmm. and, um, and to be able to put that out. Cause, but that's what it means to me is I just remember life is your career. So I, I came here in the eighties where work was really tough to get and everybody defined themselves by the jobs they were doing. And Absolutely. You know, Jeff said, you know, we're not human beings. We're, we're, we're not human doings. We're human beings. So what, mm. how are you, you know, so I like to think in terms of how are you humaning, you know, how, how are you doing that? You know, what are you bringing into your life? And I care give an elderly mother who lives down the hall so I won't be hopping, you know, go, dr- jumping to any regional theater gigs anytime soon when my son goes off to college. I don't have an empty nest yet. Um, so uh, for me, it's just about just being the kindest person I can be in this very, these very difficult times. Um, and I just remember life is your career. You know, life is your career. So that's, that's kind of where I am. Because when you don't have the balance of that, it can get really toxic. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. That's wonderful. Uh, Jeff. Well, I would just say to Shauna, if life is your career, I love your work. because Mm. She lives such a beautiful life and just wears so many hats so beautifully. And on the theme of stewardship, Richard, I would say Richard Skipper, because you take such good care. You come to this uh, show uh, thinking, what can you bring to not get from and you always take care of every artist that you interview. And what you're doing for Judy Garland is great stewardship. If someone had not heard of her and this was their first introduction, was discovering her through your show, that's what stewardship is to me. Is just And Shauna and I tried to do that when we do the Mickey and Judy show. It comes from a great place of love and respect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's it, it, and I think, uh, you know, as cabaret performers, uh, this, this cabaret performer, you know, I'm in service to an audience. I'm in service to the songwriters whose music I'm singing. So I hope I have good stewardship always with um, how I'm treating the material that I sing and who I'm singing it to. But uh, you are a shining example, Richard Skipper, of great stewardship in action. It's a verb. That means so much to me. Thank you for saying, and thank you for that. That means a lot. Uh, so, Jeff, uh, and I, I may have asked you this before. Do you have brothers and sisters? I have a brother and a sister. Okay. And so uh, my mom liked to say I have one of each, a son, a daughter, and Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, Judy, you know, she also often talks about the Gum Sisters and everything. And I'm going to ask you this question based on a question, uh, something that I read okay. in Rainbow from Judy. Which sibling is or was... Uh, favored the most by your parents? Oh, no. Are you starting with me? <laughs> yes. You gotcha question, Richard. Uh, yeah. Gotcha yeah. You, you promised us no gotcha question. No, it's based I, on a rainbow. Judy. I, okay, I'm Judy. just going to say this about my, because when my mom was in her declining years, um, it was unquestionably a perfect constellation, the three of us around her, because my sister did great stewardship for my mom. My sister lived five minutes away. She was the one who saw that my mom's hair was always done, that my mom always looked her best, that, you know, got her to doctor's appointments. My brother, who lives in Colorado, 
great stewardship because he took care of the finances. He was the executor of my father's estate. He made sure that she never had to worry in any way about anything like that. And my component of the constellation was I know that that my music brought her great joy. I just know that the three of us around her, you know, and 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 I'm not kidding about her saying I have a son and a daughter and Jeff, because I remember one of the helpers who was pushing her wheelchair, you know, asked about her other children. And she said, you know, I think it's perfect. I have Ron and Lori and Jeff, and it just was perfect that way. So that's that's how I'll say it. But the, the child that brings the, the, the music is, you know, it's pretty hard. <laughs> not to, <laughs> that not question to. had to be asked. Okay, Shauna, this question is for you. What was the biggest thrill that you got from performing this show with Jeff? I mean, we're being redundant here, but it was a lot of pressure. But my God, Liza's castle in the sky. She had a little dog like Toto. What? Mm -hmm. And I mean, and her and her, you know, her emotion. Like she, she, she got misty, and that's just that's just once. That just doesn't. That that was so special, Richard. Yeah. That was just so. And I and I and internally grateful to Jeff for making it happen. I mean, and and we've loved all the. Don't misunderstand. We've met some lovely people, but to be able to take that piece because we did have so much love for Judy and understanding for her, uh, the ugly duckling, the in-between. So to be able to share that with Liza and relay that to her, that just, that just was incredibly special. So that's thank great. you. Uh, Jeff, uh, what thrilled you the most? Um, or what did you learn about yourself that you did not know putting this show together? Uh, I would say uh, 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 the, the, the symphony orchestra component, you know, when that opportunity came our way, Sean and I talked about it and we realized that that was going to be like building a house together to, in order to, to make that investment and get 65 piece <laughs> orchestrations for a two act show. Um, and that probably my greatest thrill performing the show was the night at, at town hall, which you showed clips from to bring that, you know, we, we literally, it was the quintessential Mickey and Judy moment. We started with Shauna saying, let's put on a show. We were in a little room that sat 70 people with a piano. And then to come back to New York City to Town Hall, uh, that was a 35-piece orchestra we had that night. But to do it as a two-act concert, that was, to me, that was the most exhilarating and that, that we had the wherewithal to videotape it. And actually, it was recorded um, for an album. Um, which has never come out, but PS Classics owns the live concert version. So maybe that will come out after we're gone. <laughs> well, I hope it happens. Um, Shauna, what lessons did you learn uh, this week? Uh, this is not a, a Judy uh, question, but what lessons did you learn this past week to help make the next week a better week? Well, I have a lot of feels right now, Richard, because my son had graduated Um from high school, and his uh, and his, he just finished uh, we all those celebrations. So there's a, it's just about you know, he's dusting off the eggshells of the mother. I'm trying to let go with love, and I tell him, any worry that I have has nothing to do with your ability in the world. My belief in your ability to do just fine, it's just a habitual residual 
mom thing that I'm working very hard to tame. And it's all moms do this. We just love you, love you, love you. And we can't imagine you functioning without us. So yeah. I'm being downsized. I'm being, you know, I mean, my, I'm clearing out my office, you know. So I guess I'm still in transition with that. Um, because she's watching, I'm going to recommend a book by Kasira McKee okay. called Let That Go. Oh, good. She Is that for me book, or for him, Richard? Uh, for uh, for both of you. Okay. It's called Let That Go. For anybody who's watching, Kasira McKee, it's available on Amazon. She wrote it. It's a great book. Uh, so uh, I, I deeply appreciate that recommendation. Thank you. Yes, it's great. And uh, uh, and uh, I, you know, and I'm going to uh, because we've gone a little over. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. I'm going to. Give away your CD, and then we're going to have our closing remarks here. Let's see who's going to get uh, this. Let's see who's going to be the winner. Kasira McKee! Oh, my gosh. See? <laughs> There's going to be an exchange here. <laughs> so we'll make sure you get the CD. I'm going to remove this. See? That's she has funny. a way of making these things happen. So what we're going to do, I'm going to give my closing remarks, then I'm going to turn it over to you, Jeff, and then Shauna, you will uh, give your closing remarks, and then I'm going to let Judy and Mickey have their closing remarks to close tonight. I think that would be appropriate. So, Jeff, your comments about stewardship and the work that I do uh, hit me right here. Uh, my goal with the work that I do is to celebrate artists and their body of worth and Judy and Mickey are around us all the time. Anytime we hear their music or see their films, uh, Judy is over your shoulder. She's over mine. She's here. Uh, she's never left us. She's here. So we celebrate them with our music. Anytime we play their music, any of these artists, uh, that past, present, future, we celebrate them. Uh, my show, this show, our show, is to celebrate these great artists and their body of worth. Uh, if this is your first time here, I hope it will not be your last. Please consider subscribing to Richard Skipper Celebrates. Tell your friends about this. And then after the show, I want you to go to amazon.com. Uh, the CD is available there. And I want you to order two copies. Keep one for yourself. And then I want you to reach out to the let's say the ninth person on your friends list on Facebook. See, Facebook is good for something. Reach out to the ninth person on that list and reach out with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call and let that person know what they mean to you. Because as my dear friend, uh, Sean Moniger always says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And you never know what someone else is going through right now. And Joanna Gleason says she ends her shows by telling everyone to make a phone call on Sunday night because there's a study that says that there's a real depression that people get on Sunday nights. And that's the time that we all need to reach out to somebody. But Sunday night could be any night for most people. So reach out. I'm going to leave the screen and Jeff, it's up to you to say whatever you want to say now. Turn it over to Shauna, and then we'll leave it up uh, to Judy and Mickey to close the show. Thank you all for being here tonight. And uh, tomorrow I will not be uh, doing the show 
but it is chocolate ice cream day and uh, I'm gonna have a chocolate ice cream cone. Something I haven't done since last July. So I will do that. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> have a great yeah, evening. Sure. Thank you. Wow, chocolate ice cream cone, something I haven't done since last night. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what I would say in closing, um, if I could take anything away from the experience that um, we've been talking about, it's the gift of we who create our performing experience, the gift of choosing someone like Shauna, um, the journey that she and I have been on since we were singing Waiters together in the 1980s, through um, collaborating together on this show, through uh, her miraculous child uh, that, that you know has just now graduated from high school. Um, we get to choose, we get to make choices. And I'm so grateful, so grateful that I said yes all along the way to this wonderful a person who is so significant in my life. And you know, if your biological family doesn't cut it, and mine, mine does, but I'm just remember there's always the logical family. <laughs> and I'm so grateful Sean is part of my logical chosen family. Thank you all for letting me be part of the show tonight and uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Bye, Shauna. Thank you, bye Jeff. Love you. That was wonderful. Um, yeah, what what Jeff said. Our history just huh, overwhelming, and um, I miss the guy because we don't see each other as much. Um, just given the times and life. But Richard, uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I think you said your mom was watching, and um, you have raised um, Mrs. Skipper, a lovely, lovely son. Uh, so. Um, well done you and, uh, uh, everybody be safe and, uh, take care of it, take care of, uh, yourselves and take care of each other and, uh, make good choices. All right. Bye for now. It's 16. Screen star Judy Garland cuts her birthday cake at a party given by film chief Louis B. Mayer and attended by Hollywood's younger set, including irrepressible Mickey Rooney. In movie land, eating means exercise. So the pride of the Hardys, Olympic champ Marjorie Gestring and Jackie Cooper decide to race with Judy as starter. Get on your mark. Get set. Go. The boys are pretty good to give Marjorie such a battle. Mickey's day in the swim by a thin splash, making him master of ceremonies. Say, kids, don't you think it would be a good idea if Marjorie gave us a few dives? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, how about it, Marjorie? Sure thing, Mickey. Add a girl. It'll take some diving to beat that. Kids, my uh, my first dive will be a full soldier duct, a half old. Watch. <laughs> Springboard technique a la Rooney. Look out below. troubling me lately. Why? Well, well, do you think our love affair has enough punch in it? Hmm? Our love affair. 
Oh, well, now that you mention it, Jimmy... Because I got a new arrangement on it. Oh. Oh, it's a dynamite love song. Just made to order for you. I'll play it. <laughs> Wait till you get a load of this intro. I got some chords that are really out of this world. Listen. Starts off a little flary. Are you listening to me? And it softens down here. It's violins, you know. And the orchestra sneaks back in for the vocal. Our love affair will be such fun. We'll be the envy of everyone. Those famous lovers will make them forget from Adam and Eve to Scarlet and Red. Flutes and nobles, when youth has had its merry flame, we'll spend our Remembering to happy people who say on the square with fiddles, isn't ours a lovely love affair? Come on, sit down. Try it. Jimmy, are you sure you want me to sing with the band? You're not just... Well, of course not. We need you, Mary. You're as important to me as a brass section. Pretty important. Try the verse. Here we are, two very bewildered people. Here we are, two babes that are lost in the world. We're not quite certain what has happened to us. This lovely thing that's so marvelous. But right from here. The future looks awfully good Our love affair was meant to be It's me for you, dear And you for me We'll fuss, we'll quarrel And tears start to brew but after the tears, our love will smile through. I'm sure that I could never hide the thrill I get when you're by my side. And when we're older, we'll probably Wasn't ours a lovely love affair? I'll learn to bake a chocolate cake The kind of cake Mother used to make You hungry? Uh-huh. Come on, let's go see if we can find some of that cake. Swell! I hope there's some left. Daddy hasn't eaten it all up. <laughs> 